Our scripture this morning comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, uh, the beginning verse, uh, beginning part of verse 3. Would you stand, if you're able, uh, for the reading of God's word? First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> As we are continuing in this series on learning to hear God's voice, I want to remind you you have an insert in your bulletin if you want to take notes. If that's going to be a distraction for you, just put it to the side and don't worry about it. Um, also want to remind you, if you've missed a sermon in this series or want to go and check this one out after you're done, you want to go through a, a, you know, 30 minutes of torture again, um, you can go online to our website or uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and you can get, get it updated every week. And online has uh, these notes as well, so um, there you go. But we are continuing this series on learning to hear God's voice. And last week we talked about four ways that you can hear God speak. Those aren't the only four ways, but uh, four primary ways that we can hear God speak. And, and one of the ways that we can hear God speak is through impressions in our minds. Well, if God gives us impressions, then how do we know when they're really from God? How do we know we're not just talking to ourselves? Um, you ever do that? You ever, you ever talk to yourself? I grew up an only child, so I did that a lot. I did it a lot. So talking to myself was normal. Um, I didn't have brothers and sisters to talk to, so um, I was left with myself. But whether you talk to yourself or not, I found it very easy sometimes to confuse my desires with God's will. The Bible says Satan can talk to us as well. We can read things, and they, and they put things in our mind, and we think it's from God, but it's not. So how do we know when it's really from God? This may not be a big issue if you're trying to decide on what restaurant to go to after church or what movie to go see, but if you're talking about who you're going to marry or what you're going to study in school or if you're considering a major career change, this is a major issue. You need to hear from God. And as I said all along, God wants to talk to you, so how do I know when it's really God speaking to me? Our scripture this morning says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. We've got to test it. The Bible says we must learn to distinguish and recognize God's voice. We've got to figure it out if it's really God or not. So this morning, I want to give you seven ways to test an impression. These are seven ways to know if it's really God talking to us or not. And, and we can't pick and choose out of these seven. They work together. And so if an impression does not pass all of these seven tests, you know it's not from God. We can disqualify it. 
On the other hand, if we apply these seven tests to, to, to an idea or to an impression then, then that we've got, then it passes, we know, with absolute certainty it's from God. The first is this, does it agree with the Bible? Does it agree with the Bible? As I said last week, God never contradicts his written word. Luke 21 33 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. God will never tell you to violate anything in his book. Never. God will never tell you to ignore or disobey anything in the scriptures. He doesn't say one thing one time and then another thing another time. God is consistent. If he said it in the past, he's going to say it in the future. He's always consistent. For, the, for instance, the Bible clearly tells us to pay our taxes. Give to Caesar what is to Caesar's, give to God what is God's. So God's not going to give you impression like um, the government wastes my money, so I'm just, I'm just not going to pay it. Don't, you know, I'm not going to pay my taxes. I'm going to lie about it because they're not going to use it the right way anyway. God will never tell you to do that. God's never going to tell you to lie because his word tells us not to. God's never going to tell you to steal because his word tells you not to. We always get into trouble when we doubt God's word, when we don't listen to what it says. Galatians 1.8, according to the message, says this, If anyone, regardless of reputation or credentials, preaches something other than what you received originally, let him be cursed. It doesn't matter who's telling it to you or where it comes from, God will never tell you to do something inconsistent with what he's already said. So when you get an impression, the first step is to check out the scriptures. The second is this, does it make me more like Christ? Does it make me more like Christ? Philippians 2.5 says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Jesus is the standard by which we measure everything we do. God says very clearly in the Bible that his goal for our lives is to make us like Jesus. Not to be a God, but to be godly. To have character, to have love, joy, peace, patience, and all the other qualities that Jesus had. He would never tell you to do anything that contradicts or would hinder you from reaching that goal. A practical application of what Christ-likeness is, is in James uh, 3. It says, if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, such wisdom doesn't come from heaven. In other words, we know that an impression doesn't come from God if it causes bitterness and envy and selfish ambition. Paul goes on to say, he says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. These are the filters that we can test an idea, an impression. God's wisdom is not selfish ambition. If I get an idea of how to promote myself in a better way or how to achieve instant fame or instant wealth or instant comfort, then it's not from God. God doesn't give us ideas for self-promotion and self-serving or selfish ambition. On the other hand, if the thought is pure, it's from God. If we get an impure thought, that obviously isn't from God. His wisdom is peace-loving. Ideas from God promote harmony rather than conflict. If we get an idea 
that's going to promote conflict, it's probably not from God. If an idea is genuinely from God, the Bible says it's considerate. We have to think, what would this idea do to other people? Would it hurt them or harm them? Would it build them up or tear them down? Would it encourage them or discourage them? I don't know about you, I hear a lot of people say, God told me to do this. You ever, you ever heard that? You ever said it? God told me to do this. And sometimes God, I mean, that's what we're talking about. God does. But somebody says, God told me to do this, and then they just, they just roll over everybody in the process of doing it. Well, I can guarantee you God told, did not tell you to do something like that. The Bible says God's wisdom is considerate. It's submissive. If we've really heard from God, we're not going to be arrogant. We're not going to go about bragging about it. God's wisdom is full of mercy. If we've really heard an idea from God, it's going to cause us to be more gracious towards people rather than judgmental. If after I've heard from God, it makes me more judgmental, then I have not heard from God. That's not the way Jesus lived, and Jesus is our model. When we get an impression, we first have to ask, does it square up with the Bible? And then, does it make me more like Christ? Would Jesus do this? What would Jesus do? Third, when I'm trying to figure out whether I've got this idea from God or not, I need to ask, does my church family confirm it? Does my church family confirm it? confirm it. When we become a believer, a follower of Christ, we not only get a new relationship with God, we get a new relationship with each other. It's called the church, the family of God. We become a member of the family. God never meant for us to make a major decision in life on our own. He wants us to get help and advice from wise, mature Christians, other believers who are grounded in the faith. The third question you need to ask yourself is, does my church family confirm it? Ephesians 3.10 says, God's intent is that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. If God has genuinely spoken to you, if you've got an idea, if you've got an impression, he's going to confirm it through believers. The biggest reason people mess up this life, including Christians, is they try to live life without any accountability to anybody else, without any support, without any confirmation, without any counsel, without any guidance. When we try to live life like a lone ranger, we're going to fall flat on our face. We need to be open to the counsel and the correction of mature believers, pastors, Christian leaders, and other people in the church who have been believers longer than we have. I need others to give me counsel. We've got to check, check it out. We ought to check it out. If we don't do this, then typically we're going to make a lot of unnecessary mistakes in life. We will fumble, we will fall, we will waste time, energy, money on decisions we should have never made in the first place. We need to check it out with other believers. But isn't it typical that we often, what we often do is we start asking others and we keep asking until we find someone who agrees with what we wanted to do in the first place? 
You see, one reason why we don't like to check out major decisions with others is because we don't like to be told that we're wrong. But isn't it better to be told we're wrong than to save us from all the heartache from a bad decision? All the wasted time, energy, and sometimes money? If we've heard from God, really heard from God, then our church family, fellow believers, will confirm it. The Bible says God speaks through his word. He speaks if it makes us like Jesus, and our church family will confirm it. Number four, is it consistent with how God has designed me? Is the impression, the idea, consistent with the way God has designed me? Ephesians 2 says, we are God's handiwork. Other translations say we are God's masterpiece. I mean, we're God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before we were born, God planned our lives. God made us for a purpose. You are not here by accident. You're here for a reason, and that reason is a purpose, and God designed you specifically for that purpose. Example, a chair is designed in a certain way, correct? The pew you're sitting on is designed in a certain way. It has a back, a seat. The design, the design was made to fulfill the purpose, the purpose for you to sit. A microphone has a very different design, it, and it fulfills a different purpose. Chairs were designed to sit on. You were not designed to sit on a microphone. It would be quite uncomfortable. might be unpleasant. You speak through a microphone. You sit in a chair, not vice versa. The design reveals purpose. Design reveals purpose. The, the same is true of you and me. You were designed a certain way. God has designed you for a career, a ministry, a, for a life of using your spiritual gifts. God has designed you with a heart for certain things and with passions and desires. Some things you get really excited about. Some things you could care less about. Some things you love to do. Some things you hate to do. Some things you're interested in. Some things you're bored to tears with. Well, who do you think made you that way? God did. God gave it to you. God gave you that emotional makeup. He, 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 gave, he give, gives us all different makeups and different hearts. Why? Well, he wants all the work in the world to get done. Some people love to do accounting, and some people can't stand to do accounting. Some people love to do mechanics, and some people hate mechanics. Some people love to cook. Some people hate to cook. You may be good with words. You may be good with numbers. You may be good with animals, or you may be good with people. And then God's given you a personality. You may be an extrovert. You may be an introvert. You may like routine, or you may like variety. You may like to work all by yourself, or you may like to work with a team. Who do you think gave you that personality? God did. He designed you for a purpose. And just as the design of a chair reveals its purpose, the design of our lives reveals our purpose. It reveals what God wants us to do. For instance, why would God gift you as a great musician and then tell you to go and be a mechanic? He wouldn't. 
That's a waste of design. On the other hand, if, if you're tone deaf, well, just forget about being a concert pianist. It's not happening. If you're good at, at planning, then your ministry in life will be about planning. If you're good at art or writing with numbers or leading, then your life, your career, your ministry, your place, your niche in this world involves what God gave you. When we get an impression from God, we've got to ask ourselves, is it consistent with the way God designed me? If God were to say to me, Alan, I, I need you to step down from Metro UMC and I need you to go be an English teacher. Well, I'm going to know with absolute certainty that that is not from God. That's actually from the devil because um, I hated English in school and I don't use it very well. So um, God would not have me do something he has not designed me to do. A lot of God's will for our life has to do with looking at our design. What are we good at? What do we love to do? God says we discover a lot about his will for our life by looking at what we're good at. Romans 12, 6 says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. God's voice will not contradict how God has designed you to be. God's will for your life will never contradict how he has basically designed you. If you ever sense a leading in your life that is contrary to your basic design, your personality, your abilities, then just ignore it. It's not of God. The fifth test is this. Does it concern my responsibility? This is a big one. Does it concern my responsibility? I love this passage from Romans 12, 8, according to the message. It says, if you preach, just preach God's message. Nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. I think not only in dealing with, with, with impressions, but just generally in life, we need to focus more on our own responsibilities instead of worrying about what everybody else is doing. But in dealing with impressions, if something is not your responsibility, why would God talk to you about it? In John 21, Jesus is talking to Peter. This is the end of John and Jesus is tell, telling Peter how Peter's going to die. He explains that he's going to have to suffer in order to, to, in his walk with Christ. And being a Christian, Peter's going to suffer. And then, you know, Peter, very inquisitively, you know, he turns around and he points to John. He said, what about that guy? How's he going to die? And Jesus says, that's not your concern. Don't worry about it. When we listen for God to speak to us, we need to listen for God to speak to us. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. When we listen for God to speak to us, we need to listen for God to speak to us. Not to our children, not to our spouses. We need to say, what is God's will for me? Romans 14.10 says, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. When we listen for God's voice, we need to listen for ourselves, not for somebody else. We need to be very careful when we think God's told us about something somebody else should do. That's never happened to any of us. 
It's very, very dangerous. A lot of well-meaning Christians have caused a lot of damage because they thought God was telling them about what somebody else should do. For instance, God told me that you're going to get well. God told me that you needed to invest your money with me. God told me your secret sin. We all have direct access to God. God can speak directly through each of us through Jesus Christ, his son. We need to be very, very careful about saying, God told me to tell you to do Every believer has a direct access to God, and we have each have enough difficult time handling our own sin, much less worrying about anybody else's. God can take care of that. But you might be wondering, does God ever speak to me about other people? Yes, but I'm going to give you three qualifications, and I didn't have enough space on this to write, so if you want to turn it over and write it down, you can or not. The first is, God will use us to confirm what he's already said to someone. Remember when I asked you if the, if the church is going to confirm? God will use us to confirm what he's already said to someone. It's very unlikely that God is going to tell us first about somebody else. God will use us to confirm what he's already said. I've had God speak to me, but I wasn't really sure I'd heard from God or not, and then some, another person would say, I really feel like this is happening. And God confirmed what he had said to me. So God will use us to confirm what he's already said to someone. Then God, if God speaks to us to help somebody else, he'll usually do it without us knowing. We'll say that again. If God speaks to us to help somebody else, he'll usually do it without us knowing about it. That way, our ego doesn't get in the way. And we start, and we won't, we start taking pride and thinking we're super Christians. Ha. Look what I did. He will usually use us without us knowing about it. Many times he will talk, he will talk through us, and we're not aware that, that what we just said in a meeting or in a, in a talk, conversation was exactly what that person needed. We won't even know it. And then the third thing is trust God to speak to that person first before you talk to them. We each have our own line to God, so to speak. God is speaking to each of us, so we have to be patient and let others hear and receive what God is saying to them. The sixth test is this. Is it convicting rather than condemning? Is it convicting rather than condemning? And you might be asking, well, what's the difference? Conviction is from God. Condemnation is from the devil. Conviction is from God. Condemnation is from the devil. Conviction points the way to change. Condemnation just makes you feel bad. When God convicts you of, of sin in your life, it is always specific. He says, here's an attitude, or, or here's a behavior, or here's something in your life that needs changing. God's going to be very specific. He's going to put his finger right on it. You're, you're blowing it in this area. He's going to be very specific. 
On the other hand, condemnation, which comes from the devil, is very vague, very general, basically says, you're bad, you're no good, you're worthless, you stink, God can't use you. He's very general. So if, if we have this very general sense of guilt, that is condemnation. When God speaks to us about something that needs changing in our lives, he's going to be very, very specific. Conviction always leads to an action to change. Condemnation just makes us feel bad. When God is speaking to us, he'll say, here's what's wrong in your life and here's what you need to do. He'll give us specific things and the result is always, always leads to confession, repentance, and then forgiveness. And the feelings we have are gone. On the other hand, condemnation is the devil saying to us, you're worthless. You call yourself a Christian? Who do you think you are? You should give up trying to live for God because you can't do anything. You just keep failing and falling. He's always putting us down. Conviction comes from God and the Holy Spirit. Condemnation comes from the devil, and we need to recognize the difference. If you're a Christian... And if you put your faith in Christ and you've asked him to forgive all your sins and asked him to be your Savior and Lord, it means this. Everything you've ever done is forgiven. Not just the sins of your past, but the ones you're going to do today and the ones you're going to do tomorrow. They were all nailed on the cross. That's why Jesus said it's finished, it's paid for, it's done. Should a Christian ever feel guilty? Yes, for about a nanosecond. That's about how long it takes to realize that you've blown it, and we come and we confess to God, and he instantly forgives, and it's taken care of, and it's wiped away. Conviction from God leads to to confession, repentance, and forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purifies us from all righteousness. Sometimes the problem we have is we keep bringing our sins to the altar and we take them right back to the seat with us. If if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. They're gone. On the other hand, if we still feel guilty about something we've admitted to God that was wrong, we've asked him to forgive us, we still feel guilt after we've confessed, that guilt is not from God, it's from Satan. Satan minimizes our sin before we do it. He says, it's no big deal. After we do it, look at what you did. No big deal. Then it's the biggest deal ever. He wants us to walk around in constant guilt and condemnation. But if we have confessed our sin, it is, it is forgiven. Know this. Hear me. God never tells us we are worthless. And God will never tell us that we're hopeless. Is it convicting or is it condemning? And then the last test, do I sense God's peace about it? 
do I sense God's peace about it? 1 Corinthians 14, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Another translation says this, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So if we're feeling confused, that confusion is not coming from God. If we feel pressured or overwhelmed or driven to make a hasty decision, a major decision in life, and we're pressured to make it, we need to question it. That's not the way God works. The Bible says God is patient. God would rather have us make the right decision than for us to, have, to make a quick decision. If we're pressured, if we're stressed out, that pressure and stress is not coming from God, not at all. It's coming from inside of us or from the devil or from somewhere else. For us parents, do we want our kids to feel stressed out? No. Well, neither does your Heavenly Father. The only time we're going to feel stressed out and pressured is when God has told us to do something and we're failing to do it. That's going to create stress in our life. That's going to create pressure when we know the right thing to do and we're not doing it. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. If God is genuinely speaking to you and you think this idea is from God, it's going to bring you peace. It's going to bring you peace if you follow it. God's Spirit produces a calm spirit. Worry and anxiety are never from God. From God. The Bible tells us do not worry. We are commanded not to worry. If an idea creates worry, then it's not from God. God would never give us an idea that contradicts a command he has given us. We need to look for God's peace. Listen, there is nothing more vital in our lives than to hear from God. Nothing. Because we were wired and made to have a relationship with God, and you only have a relationship with God if you're able to communicate with God. It may not be a big deal if we miss hearing from God, trying to discern what kind of brand of toilet paper to buy, or what you need to wear tomorrow. That's not that big a deal. But there are many major decisions in life that we need to hear from God about. And if we're out there making decisions without taking time and saying, God, what do you want me to do? What's the next step? Then we are setting ourselves up for failure in our family life, in our business, in our parenting, in our finances, in our health, and in every, every, every other area of our life. It only makes sense to listen to our Creator. And God's not playing games with us. God's not trying to confuse us. It's not a cat and mouse game of saying, well, let's just, let me see how hard I can make it for them to figure it out. That's not the way God acts toward his children. He wants us to know his will so much that he's given us these keys in which he says, here are some ways that you can test an idea. You can filter out and know that it's from me or not. The secret to hearing God clearly is to get to know him better and better each day. 
The more we understand him, the better we know him, the easier it is to hear his voice in a split second when he wants to talk to us. Get to know God better and better every day. For those of you who think that you haven't heard from God, that you you haven't heard God speak to you, that may be an indication that you do not have a relationship with him. If you've never heard God, it means you need to establish a relationship with him. And there's no better time than today. And you can just say, you can just talk to him right now and say, God, I put my faith in Christ, your son, and the grace he offers. I confess my sins and turn away from them, and I turn towards you. To have a relationship with God is to hear God speak. And there's others of you, other believers, who are believers, and in the past God has spoken to you very, very clear, but lately it's been a little fuzzy, a little distant. Maybe there's some static on the line and you're having trouble hearing from God. Maybe it's been weeks, maybe it's been months. What happened? How come you don't hear God as clearly as you used to? Maybe there's a wrong choice in your life that is blocking the communication line with God. Maybe your heart has grown hard and you're not as sensitive to God as you used to be. Come home. Come home to Jesus. Come home and say, Jesus, I want that relationship that I had with you. I want to be able to talk to you. I want to be able to hear you. I want you to lead me and I want you to guide me in all areas of my life. Direct me in the right way. Wherever you are this morning, Come home to Jesus. He so desperately, desperately wants to talk to you. Amen. Heavenly Father, your word tells us to test. To test an impression, to test the spirits. We want to hear from you. And we want it to be you on the other end of the line. Help us. Help us to seek your word. Help us to seek other believers. Help us to test what you're telling us. Help us to lean into you that we may hear you more clearly. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.